Well, we sure have a strange Easter before us. Not only are we not gathering, but if you press it far enough, last Easter I was preaching to the church family in our sanctuary. This Easter I'm preaching not only to them, but to people literally scattered around the globe, which amazes me. We can get even stranger than that. You're listening to a Jewish kid preach an Easter sermon this morning. There's a lot of strangeness with Easter. Like, why do we call it Easter and not Resurrection Sunday? Brunch? Did Jesus have brunch with the disciples? Easter baskets, bunnies, chocolates. Now, the Cadbury egg, that's biblical somehow, I hope. Theologically, Easter, Resurrection Sunday is strange because how do you have a resurrection without a birth? And how do you have a a birth without a death leading to a resurrection? What about the ascension? And what about Pentecost? And Jesus rose, but, but so what? There's a lot going on here. And pastorally, what are we supposed to preach on Easter? You go gospel, you go epistle, you go exodus, you go, where do you go? In fact, isn't every sermon an Easter sermon if it's biblically faithful? So in this strange week, as a strange man, I sat in front of my Bible and thought, what am I going to preach? And so it opened to where I had finished last Sunday, and I laughed. Because in Luke 11, verse 37, our next text on our progression through Luke, it says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine. And I realize that's not our text for today. It's 29. Come back in a week. We'll do 37. In Luke 11:29, it says, When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And I smiled because, my goodness, the sign of Jonah. Easter. Passover, the resurrection. Let's dig in. So Jesus is in the middle of a discipleship course. We're on our way to Jerusalem. And last week, if if you'll remember, we looked at the danger of morality. And with these people, these highly moral people, Jesus says, this generation is an evil generation. But, But think about this. This is one of the most morally upright generations you will ever meet. These are rule keepers. In fact, Jesus acknowledges how morally upright they are. He says, you're whitewashed tombs. This is not a a, a generation like ours where lewd behavior is not only excused but celebrated. This is not the the age of no-fault divorce. This is not the age of online gambling. This is not the age of readily available pornography. This is a Jewish context of morally upright people. And Jesus says, this generation is an evil generation. 
Why? Well, because the most vile sin I can think of is the sin of thinking you don't need God's forgiveness. It's the sin of self-righteous legalism. It's the sin of moral indignation. But he says, this generation seeks for a sign. Well, what's wrong with that? Didn't Doubting Thomas ask for a sign? Didn't one of the judges ask for a sign, Mr. Fleece? What is wrong with a sign? Well, because what sign would satisfy? This was not a request for a sign. This was a taunt. These were people who had called Jesus the Prince of Poop, Beelzebub. They have attributed his work to Satan. What sign could they need? It's a taunt, not a request. The issue is not a lack of evidence. The issue is a lack of repentance. Amen? I can hear you. Amen? He's risen. Stay awake. But Jesus says, by God's grace, he'll give them one more sign. The sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? Matthew tells us, Matthew 12, 39 to 40. It's a parallel text. And if you flip over to Matthew and you go to chapter 29, you'll get there before me. And in Matthew 29, you got there? Matthew 29. If you're there, you have to return your Bible and get a new one because there's no Matthew 29. It's Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Trying to keep you all awake today. I can't see you eye to eye. Gotta make sure you're not dozing off. Matthew tells us in Matthew 12, 39. You ready now? I'm there. Not 29, not chapter 29, not verse 29, verse 39. Somebody get me a cup of coffee. I gotta get in gear here. <laughs> he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Check this out. Jonah was a prophet. He came from a small town near Nazareth. And if you want a little theological humorous insight, John 7.52 is not an accurate accusation. I'll let you look it up. He preached the gospel. He told who he was, how he got there in a fish, who God was and what God was calling the people to. And the people repented and believed. They had an authenticating sign and they believed. Well, how much more so with Jesus, who will not be in a fish, but in the earth, who will be dead, but will rise, and they will see this. And the queen of the south, that's Queen of Sheba, 1 Kings 10, the men of Nineveh, immoral Gentiles, will rise up at the judgment, meaning they're saved people. And the, 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 the self-righteous Jews, they can't take this. They're going, no way, a Gentile, no way, a woman, an immoral, unrighteous Gentile, no way. Self-righteous legalism. But Jesus says, one greater than Jonah is here. A sign greater than Jonah's will come, yet they will deny him. Now stick with me here. Y'all tracking? Jesus said some crazy stuff. He claimed to be God. He claimed to forgive sins. But he just said he would die and rise again. That's crazy. 
But what happened? He did. But what happened to his people? They doubted. They struggled. They failed to trust. They failed to believe. They failed to obey perfectly. I'm talking about his people. Why? Because, my friends, we live by circumstance over truth. We live by sight over faith. We live by human wisdom over God's wisdom. And on Resurrection Sunday, it is a great reminder that we need to pay attention to what we hear and how we live and why we do what we do. Walk with me here for a minute. Resurrection Sunday is about the fact that not everything, listen, not everything is always as it appears to be in the kingdom of God. I say that. Not everything is as it appears to be in the kingdom of God if you live by sight. So, let's flip to Matthew. First gospel. And if you go to Matthew 27, that is the accurate chapter, and you go to verse 27, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. May I make an observation? It appeared... The man who claimed to be king really wasn't. Barak's humor, mocking, spitting, beating. He says, he's a king? It appeared he wasn't. But from where we sit, we know otherwise today, church, don't we? Matthew 27, verse 32. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his, Jesus' cross. You see, Jesus had been beaten numerous times. He was a bloody mess. He couldn't carry his cross beam. So, so they compelled this man of Cyrene, Simon by name. And I'm just saying, it appeared that the man who claimed to have all power actually had none. He claimed to, to have all power in his hand. No one will take my life from me. He claimed it, but he couldn't carry a crossbeam. But from where we sit today, we know otherwise, church, do we not? Let's keep marching. 27, 33, and when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he, could not, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. The two robbers who were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, Listen, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the Son of God. Come down from the cross. And I'm just saying, if I went by observation, by circumstance, by the news feed, that the man who said he came to save others 
couldn't even save himself. He claimed to be king, but he didn't look very kingly. He came claiming power, but he didn't look very powerful. He came claiming to save people, but he couldn't save himself. And church, if I'm looking at the circumstances, if I'm listening to the news feed, if I'm clicking on my social media feed, I'm hearing it ain't so. But I ain't living by that. I'm living by truth. And what I know is truth is he is risen. I said he is risen from where we sit today. So back to Luke. He said he'd die, and he did, and he lay in a tomb. And I wonder if on Saturday I was there, what I'd be doing. Would I be getting ready for Easter brunch? Would I be fixing to have a celebration? Would I be getting up early to check the tomb, knowing full well that that tomb would be empty? Or would I be hanging out with the disciples? Would I be locked up? Would I be afraid? Would I be doubting, wondering, and saying, but, but, but I thought he was strong. I thought he was king. I thought he was God. I thought, wrong? You see, back in Matthew, the guards came when his body was gone and they made up a story. But in John's account, you flip up to John 20, and my man Big T, you didn't know the apostles all had nicknames? John 20, verse 24. Now Tom, Big T, Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. This is after his resurrection. This is week two. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He asked for a sign. But Jesus didn't call him evil. Jesus showed up. And notice, he didn't say, oh my gosh, you're alive. No, what did, what did, what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God, verse 28. Why? Well, you see, if someone said they're going to die and rise three days later and they do, that's a game changer. Buddha, dead. Muhammad, dead. Gandhi, dead. Every religious leader, every, every religion in the world, they're dead. Or they're going to be dead. And I got news for you. They ain't coming back. But Jesus, dead. Buried. But he is risen. And if he rose, the great sign of Jonah, then every word is true. Look at the grace, power, and love of Jesus. Look at, look at how he showed up to Thomas. But look even more so. He showed up. He got up. He is risen indeed. But not only is he risen, don't miss 
Resurrection Sunday. It's not only about he is risen. I'm beating flowers. Now we're going. It's about you are risen in him as well. Spiritually to newness of life in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, able to trust and obey and enjoy and glorify God. But dang, it's a battle. And one day you will rise physically with a resurrection body. So as you go through life, I wonder where you're doubting God. May I recommend just turn on cable news. Let me give you the headlines from this morning synopsis. You all ready? Ah! Yeah, that's the news today. We'll be back with the weather after these commercial messages. You go on social media. You want me to give you that speculation on social media? You go call somebody up and ask them to tell you what's going on and, ah! right? Listen to the Lord. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am is how Jesus refers to himself. God is working his perfect plan in his Perfect timing. Do you know the difference? We were talking about this in prayer time before. We'll pick it up in Sunday school. Between this Easter and last, there's a lot. But one thing is the same. We never had any control over anything. Jesus has always had perfect control. Even when it don't look like it. So maybe your checkbook looks low. You say, but God, you promised to provide. Now, for those of you joining us, we're no, we're no name and claim a colt. Don't go walk in circles, standing in your prayer cloth and claiming something from God because he's not your genie. But he does promise to provide for all the needs of his children. Maybe you don't know how you can hang in another day. Well, that's okay because Jesus will hang you in there. Trust in the word of God. Trust in the promises of God. Walk in the will of God. Obey him and rejoice. Live by faith and not by sight. Live by faith and not by circumstances. Live in light of reality. This ain't no day for brunch and biscuits. This ain't no day to find eggs and eat candy. This ain't no day to, to, pet, a, to pet a scary bunny. This is a day to remember that God's word is true and he's a shield to those who take refuge in him. And I know this with absolute certainty because, my friends, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. He is risen. He is risen indeed. But as you read the accounts, you'll see that his disciples are constantly afraid. Jesus will not cast you away if you are in him. Matthew 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And I love this. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What kind of sick person would doubt after spending all that time with Jesus, seeing him die, seeing him rise, eat with him after? They still doubted. 
Verse 18, and Jesus said to them, y'all such a stinking hot mess, I can't take you no more. Go away from me and go to hell. No, that's not what it said. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Here's the beauty of Easter. Don't try to posture like you're all some super strong person. Be honest. Jesus, I'm a hot mess. Jesus, I'm a, I'm a doubting dummy. Jesus, I, 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 woo, I got issues. And come to him with those issues. Come to him through that doubt. Come to him in light of truth, and he will hold you in his righteous right hand. We talked about the soil of the gospel. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge God forgives sinners. Turn to him and be saved. Know with certainty he can forgive sin because he's God. Know for certainty he can impute to you, give to you, credit to you the perfect life you must live because he's also a man. And know that he will because every word of his proves true. How much greater a word could you have than go ahead and kill me and I'll come right back three days later? And he did. For those of you who aren't saved, listen, can we just cut to the chase? Have intellectual credibility. You don't want to believe in Jesus, that's fine, but just say the reason because you have no interest in submitting to God. You want to be God yourself. The issue ain't evidence. If you look at the evidence, if you examine the evidence, it's watertight. The issue is repentance. You have no control. God has all control. You fall woefully short of his demand of perfection, but he offers to forgive you. And in his grace and mercy, he gives you evidence that he is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, and that you are who he says you are, either apart from Christ or in Christ. My friends, Easter is an incredibly strange holiday, but here's the main reason why. God, who is perfect and holy and righteous, made a way for unrighteous, wicked people to be forgiven and made anew, for enemies to become friends, for the dead to be brought to life. That's not only strange, that's called grace. That's amazing grace. That's what Easter is about. Yes, Jesus rose, but so what? Death and sin are conquered. And in him we too have risen and will rise. So let us not stare at an empty tomb and clap our hands. Woohoo! Impressive work! No, no, no. Let us look to the cross and look to the tomb and look to the cloud to where he ascended knowing he will return but look to the truth of the word of God knowing that God himself dwells in us and we can trust him and obey him which we will do through struggle and battle because we are weak because we doubt because we are not yet what we will one day be where are you failing to trust God why we're going to close with a song, prayer, and a benediction.
JG, you close this out.